Welcome to Parenting Bites with Rebecca Levy. We talk about the intersection of parenting and technology. Everything you need to know about raising kids in the digital age. This is Parenting Bites. Hi, welcome to Parenting Bites. This is Rebecca Levy of Kids Views. I'm here in the studio today with Amy Oztan of Amy Ever After. And only and Amy only. <laughs> And Patrick, our producer. And Patrick, we are. We're not totally alone. Um, Andrea has the week off, so it is just the two of us, which means we may not have a difference of opinion. (laughs) (laughs) Should I just take the opposite opinion of you just just for fun? Just fight me um, for no reason. (laughs) We're going to talk today about a topic we haven't talked about in so long. I actually feel like it has faded from the public discourse about kids online like everything is shifted but we're gonna bring it back it's like we're going old school and we're gonna talk (laughs) about teenagers and sexting because a new article came out this week in the New York Times by Perry Class um, about a giant study that just came out in I think the Journal of Pediatrics Journal of American Pediatrics um, about this giant longitudinal study they did on sexting with over a thousand kids um, oh no, 110,000 kids. Sorry. Oh wow. Yeah. So an actual, a real study, um, and about now that we've evolved, now that this has been around a long time, what does sexting mean? How are kids doing it? How should you talk to your kids about it? This actually, it's a good article. So we're yeah, gonna dive into that. Yeah, it's not just problems. No, it's how to solve them. It's actually recognizing that this is a thing. So let's, you know, now that it's part of our everyday society, let's talk about how to figure it out. Um, and then we'll have our bites of the week. So that's it. So let's jump right in and talk about teenagers are sexting. Now what? That is the name of the article in the New York Times by Perry Class. She's a doctor. She has a pretty regular column in the New York Times. Actually, I think we reference her stuff quite a bit. We have, yeah. Yeah, I like her. Um, She had a great piece of a couple weeks ago that said like I'm sorry parents were always making fun of you for video you're videotaping your kids all the time because now (laughs) I don't have any films of my kids and I feel like an (laughs) idiot and I wish I had them Um, so I appreciated that Um, so this article came out this week and honestly I was like surprised I was almost like hearing about cyberbullying like now when you hear about cyberbullying it's always talking about the president of the United States or like you know, internet trolls or Russia, you don't hear about it as much with kids anymore right. because they've moved on to like other fear Right, things. the problem hasn't gone away. It's just not in the media anymore. Right, the media's on to the next thing. Um, so sexting has also dropped off the face of the earth being talked about, I feel like, with kids because this whole new focus has been on porn, mm-hmm. um, which has now captured the imagination of everybody. But sexting is still a really real thing. Um, One of the things they were saying is that instead of being shocked to find out the kids are sexting, we should be talking about it for an early age, just like all the other things you're supposed to talk about now, right? So now I'm just thinking like, here's another thing. So now we've got sex itself. We've got, you know, consent. consent. That's sort of a new thing in the conversation. Um, And now sexting as like a normal Thing that your kid may encounter and instead of being freaked out and scared how are you going to talk about it and of course porn and of course porn but this is separate from porn yeah um you know a lot of it one of the things this article talks about is there there used to be a big focus on scaring kids that like you're going to be arrested for sending child porn because if you're sending pictures of yourself even or another person sends it to you and they're underage that is sending technically sending child porn. If you then forward that image, you are now guilty of 
sending child born, like this that whole horrible, tricky legal stuff that hadn't caught up with what was actually going on. And they say now kids just don't respond to you talking about it that way, about this like, you know, people would have like the policeman come into school and talk right. about it and like kids just totally tune out, don't, don't hear it, don't care. Um, and one of the big changes I think most of all is that the average age of first cell phone ownership is now 10.3 years. That is a huge plummet. Yeah, because I feel like when we first started talking about this, we were like, okay, in the city, you probably give your kids a phone earlier and people- Like 11, 12. Right, and people in the suburbs were waiting longer. Now I feel like everybody's just doing it earlier. It doesn't matter where you live. You want to be able to call your kid if you're going to be late for pickup and all that stuff. It's not just because you're throwing them on the subway at 11. Right. I actually just think it's become expected. I don't even know if parents are thinking it through. About, I think parents have convinced themselves their kids need it earlier so they can feel tethered to them all the time. They can text them if they're running late. But they all got along just fine before that. Well, they did. But I think there's also something to be said for not excluding your children from the culture of their peers. Because at this point, if you don't have a cell phone, how much can you participate in a lot of the stuff that your friends are doing so it's not and I don't want to say like okay you have to get one because you know all of your kids friends have one but I don't know there is something about not giving your kid one more reason to stick out right anyway sorry yeah no but but it, it is definitely why it's plummeted right or parents are buying into this idea that I think so much this comes out of fear all the time so maybe it's fear of your kid being excluded fear of the one thing might happen, you know, whenever these school shootings happen, like the one thing might happen and you couldn't get a hold of your kid. So whatever the reason is, kids as young as 10 kind of no longer where they live. This is, and that's the average, which means there are kids getting them at eight, mm-hmm. right? Their kids getting younger. Um, so they were just saying, so now that it's much younger kids getting a smartphone or any phone, they're not even saying smartphone because you can take a picture and send it on even a dumb phone usually has a camera. Mm-hmm. Oh, the flip phone. Yeah, that they my, have a camera. My daughter started with, yeah. Um, so they're saying start simple, right? Like just like you say to them, you don't get into a car with a stranger. You know, text messages and emails should just not include naked pictures. <laughs> like if you're going to send or pictures. Or underwear pictures. Yes, or underwear pictures. I know, they say no clothes. I'm like, mm. Mm. You know, <laughs> like, let's let's start with the, which is funny because then you have all these kids posting, well, I'm going to say girls, I shouldn't say kids, bathing suit pictures all the time. And that starts younger and younger, too, which is weird. Um, mm. And I think it's just because what they're seeing older kids do on Instagram or celebrities doing on Instagram or whatever. So I don't know. You got to go. You got to start young with telling them this stuff. Um so the recent data from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention show decreasing rates of sexual activity. I thought this was so fascinating mm-hmm. that actual sexual activity among high school students from 2005 to 2015, so 10-year period, really recent, it is down from almost 47% to 41%. Now, are the kids getting smarter or are they just not leaving the house? <laughs> they're not. They're like interacting online and just aren't physically together. Well, that's what people are saying, right? Is that more and more kids are just interacting online. They go home. They don't hang out together. So they don't have that same opportunity. They're just not hanging out, not going to each other's houses. They just want to go home and then they feel like they can still be connected on their phones. So 
what's really weird is they're saying even though sexual activity is decreasing, digital sexual activity is not surprisingly becoming more common. At least you can't catch an STD that way. Right. Well, that's probably what they're all thinking, right? So in this new study, they looked at data from 39 studies of people under 18 sending and receiving sexually explicit images, videos, and messages. So again, like we said in the beginning, 110,000 kids from age 11.9 to 17 with a mean of 15.16, which I don't even understand what that means, like 15 point, whatever, they're 15, (laughs) the mean age is 15, which is basically a sophomore in high school. Um, So they to all these questions and it said almost 15% had sent sexts, 27% had received them and 12% had forwarded one without consent. That's, I think, where they really, really flagged. And almost 9% said it happened to them, which so funny. Like, none of these numbers really match up right. for how many sent, how many received, how many forwarded, how many said it happened to them. Well, if one guy is getting so, pictures from three girls. <laughs> that's what it must be. Like, it was like an interesting. And only forwarded to two guys. Right. Also, it's a really big age range. I thought it was really interesting because the average is 15, but I'm sure there's a huge difference between the 11 year old and the 17 year olds. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a. If you're a parent of a teen, like the difference between 13 and 15 is so huge. Mm-hmm. Forget 11 and 17. So that's, you're totally, totally something totally different. But they were saying, like, stop thinking about this word, right? People hear the word sexting and they immediately think, I don't even know what they think. Not just pictures, I guess. They think kids are having phone sex. I don't know what they're <laughs> thinking. Um, but she was saying, like, think about when you were a teenager, all the, like, romantic sexual all that stuff that happens when you're a teen because you're curious you're interested you know nothing um and now all these kids just have all this digital stuff at there so you make stupid mistakes oh right a friend of mine got grounded for the summer because she took a picture in her bra in one of those automatic photo booth things (laughs) and her mom found it like that's as far as it went you know her mom found it in the drawer right grounded for the summer right (laughs) <laughs> I it's funny we say that because I had one of my good friends in high school um her boyfriend was a quote-unquote photographer I mean he was also just in high school but he was in photography he fancied himself a photographer mm-hmm. and he took topless pictures of her oh maybe it was like our junior year or something but he developed them in the high school <gasps> dark room mm-hmm so there were all these pictures of her, which, of course, everyone saw. Of course. But they couldn't go anywhere. It's like people could then take pictures of the picture and distribute it. It was just Nobody like, had a camera with them. Right. So everyone just knew. I don't even know how maybe three people saw them, but everyone knew. Right. And that alone was like so horrifying and scandalous. And yeah, I can't even imagine now like what that would be like. Um, so one of the things they say is sort of like, Okay, so now look at this through that lens, right? Instead of thinking that everything our kids are doing online is horrible because somehow it's online, think about it through that lens of when you were a teenager, the things you did, the things you know people did, and just understand that that's what it is and that you need to talk to your kids about it being sort of like if you're in this risky situation, we can talk about it, about why it's just not a good idea to send them in the first place. And if you receive them the big thing is like you don't share them right right like they should be sent in the context of relationship you should have trust and the article did say that they said that most of the pictures seem to be sent within the context of a boyfriend girlfriend relationship it's not people just like wildly sending nude pictures all over the internet it's usually something that you're doing with a partner and so they really want to stress that like 
your instinct isn't wrong. It's not bad. It's just that the technology has changed so much that now you can get yourself into trouble, whereas before you would just get grounded. Right. And I think they were saying Common Sense Media, of course, actually has like a whole handbook oh, for kids. So amazing. It's this it's downloadable amazing. handbook that I'm going to hand to each of my children, print it out and send them the <laughs> links because it's I how many times have I been in Common Sense Media and I didn't know that this existed, that they dealt with that I know. at all. And it's it's really, really excellent. Yeah, we'll put a link to that. I mean, it's really interesting. You know, one of the things they were saying is like, you know, parents always want to say, like, you're never gonna get a job now, you're not gonna get into college, you're gonna da, da, da kids so don't hear that mm -hmm. and I don't even think it's true I don't think no. it's true because you sent a naked picture to someone like and kids know Unless it's you not send true. it to your prospective employer and and, and, the and even then <laughs> I don't know maybe it'll I'm not even gonna no, go no don't um so the, but the entire tone of the common sense media piece is it's they're not talking down to the kids right they're talking to them like they're young adults and it's saying okay maybe you're thinking about doing this thing maybe you've done it Maybe you regret it. What do we do now? Right. And it and it gives them some solid steps. And they were saying the thing for the kids, too, that's the scariest is that someone would send it on. Mm -hmm. It's not even like the sending. It's that someone. And so, you know, they were saying focus when you talk to your kids about trust. Because if you say to your kid, imagine if that were you, if you're trusting someone and then they send something on that hits a kid more than just saying you're never going to get a job, you're never going to get into college because you mm -hmm. sent someone a naked picture. Um, because that's worrisome. The kids would just send it on. But again, kids are silly. Kids are immature. Kids don't think long term. Mm -hmm. And not it's so easy. Evil. They're no. just they just don't realize. I don't right. want to let them off the hook, but like it is hard at that age to really see you know, five steps ahead to where, mm -hmm. like, you've shared a picture that your girlfriend sent you and then she kills herself. Like, that's not where their head is. Right. I think also what this article actually doesn't address, but what's been addressed a lot, and maybe in the bigger study they talk about it, is it's really boys pressuring girls. Mm -hmm. um, and there is an element of that consent conversation mm -hmm. that wraps into this, is that if you have to keep asking someone for that, that is definitely a form of harassment. So when you, you can actually wrap it into that consent discussion mm -hmm. of like, no, A, you don't send them unsolicited <laughs> if you're a boy. <laughs> no one wants those pictures. Nobody. Nobody. And you don't keep asking. And I think sometimes what happens for boys especially is it becomes like a trophy thing. Mm -hmm. That's why they send them on because it's like proof. It's like – you know, in Sixteen Candles, when he gets her underwear to show mm -hmm. everyone in the, <laughs> in the bathroom, girls, it's girls, underwear. underwear. Um, and I think it's the same thing, right? Except instead of just holding up a pair of panties for a dollar in the bathroom, <laughs> you're 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 forwarding nudes and being like, "Look what I got." Um, and it's, I don't know. I think she was saying like it's totally typical adolescent development. Um, you just have to realize that it's all so much easier mm -hmm. than it's ever been. Just easier to get yourself into deep, deep trouble. I don't know. I mean, you know, it's interesting. It's one of those things, I should say knock on wood and I'm like jinxing it, but I have not had this come up in my daughter's schools at all. Mm. I haven't heard of anyone. I've heard of kids – Definitely there have been boys who've been suspended for harassing girls in the hallway mm -hmm. or, you know, grabbing someone in school or something like that. But not this. I haven't heard of anyone who's been sort of 
sent around nude pictures of or sent them and they were forwarded like from how you hear the media talk about it when they used to talk about sexting all the time you would think it was everywhere and even these stats like 15 percent that's not no I, I mean it's more than I guess they want to see but that's not a lot that's not 70 percent of kids right. are sending them it's 15 percent and eight percent shared them right which is still you don't want anyone sharing them but it, it wasn't astronomical and I wonder as kids are growing up with this stuff as just part of their life if they're getting smarter about it and realizing it like I know that when I read right. my son's stuff online like his Instagram account it sounds like it was written by a 45 year old who wants to be president someday <laughs> you know like not a word out of place he's extremely aware of his on re- online reputation yeah. more so than his mother you know kudos to him um, so maybe they're just because they're just so used to having everything out there and they know maybe they're just getting smarter. I would love to t- see t- statistics about how many kids shared this stuff when the technology was new compared to now. Right, because you're never quite sure. Is it the media making a huge deal out of something because it's a great story? Mm-hmm. It's got everything they need. It's got kids. It's got sex. It's got technology. Uh, technology, right. Um, it's got an angry school or an angry mm-hmm. parent. Or if... It's just sort of what it's always been. (laughs) You just need to, or it's gone down Mm -hmm. because it's not so new and novel for kids anymore. Or Mm -hmm. they've heard enough stories that they like, they're almost tired. It's like kids deleting Facebook. It's like they're tired of it. They don't even want to be there and deal. Um, Maybe they'll all start hanging out in person again. I was just saying to someone, it was so shocking to me how popular Friends is now on Netflix that all of these <laughs> teens are binging Friends and I think that's why. Because they all hang out? Yeah. It's like this allure of oh my god these six people and they just hang out and they have coffee together every day and they hang out together all the time. Yeah. That's just not something kids do. Yeah. Ross had a pager. Cell phones right? <laughs> at the end of the series kind of ruined it. You were like why didn't he just call her at the airport? You know it. it so that show was special. It was at a time when it wasn't like completely free of technology, but people did still have to get together in person and it captured kind of a slice of life in New York. Completely unrealistic slice yes, of life. Especially the size of the apartment. Yes, but, but <laughs> a slice of life in New York where like you had to go meet at the coffee shop if you right. wanted to see each other. I mean, so if you like you the fact that you couldn't have that now, right? Mm-hmm. That's why so many shows I think are placed in the eighties now mm-hmm. when they tumble because they just don't want to have to deal with technology that exists and you want to be able to chase somebody into the airport right so it's the same thing with kids and sexting and sex like they were saying like this has always existed kids have always been curious kids have always experimented kids have always done stupid stuff mm-hmm. um now it's just easier to share and i think track mm-hmm. too if parent you know there's always the parent who's it was me who was telling other parents, did you have you seen your daughter's Instagram account? This <laughs> and they were like, no. I'm like, mm, she's in the bathtub. Like, maybe you want to check that out. <laughs> um, she's got, you know, 55, 80-year-old men following her. Whatever. You got to, like, look. But um, so it was really interesting. She said that out of all of this, the big red flag, if, you're, if your kid is doing this or if you're worried, it's really if there's a giant age differential – that's like a huge red flag because mm-hmm. that there's no way there's consent happening. No. Um, and there's and there's probably other issues going on. 
Um, but they said these kids are not more likely to be kids with mental health issues. Like I think that's a big myth mm-hmm. that the media always puts out is that it's like you go from sexting to committing suicide. Mm-hmm. Like somehow that was always the end story. Um, and that it's really when it's problematic is when it's non-consensual. Just like everything else, it still it feels like you've been sexually harassed and assaulted. Mm-hmm. And that's when it's a problem. Um, so that's what to look out for, right? Like, I mean... and. To also find a way, and I don't even know how to do this, to find a way to talk to girls about why they might want to send a picture and what that kind of relationship looks like and why you would want to do that and how you would do that. And that's, part, you know, we've talked about that in, in other conversations about consent, that you also have to talk, talk to girls about what they want and right. why they want it and how to ask for it. Right. And probably... Very few want that. I mean, look, there. there's a whole conversation to be had about needing outside validation, too. Mm-hmm. Um, because sometimes, so this is about sending sexts, but certainly, as I was saying, some people have very provocative Instagram profiles because they want those likes. Mm-hmm. And they know that if they post a picture of themselves and they're 15 and they're in a bath bubble bath, mm-hmm. they're going to get a bazillion likes. And you have to start to think about, like, why is that validating you? And who are those likes from? And... What is that? What, what hole is, is that, that filling right. inside and of you? You're going to keep chasing that. What is the next thing you do and the next thing you do? And like, is it like, and then what? So what are you left with? A bunch mm-hmm. of virtual likes. Um, so I don't know. It's all part of that longer conversation. But we'll have a link to this article because it is really in many ways reassuring. Mm-hmm. But I think a reminder to parents that this should be part of your conversation. Because I think, I know I haven't had this conversation in a long time. Yeah, I a couple of years ago I watched a series with my daughter about people who, who got famous on the internet for bad reasons. Like it covered Gamergate and it covered stuff like that. And they're, they're, they did talk about about girls who had, you know, had their pictures spread all over the internet after texting them to one boy. Right. And it was, you know, my daughter was a little young then for it, but we, we talked about it a little bit. It's time to talk about it yeah, again. It's been a couple of years. It's time to like bring it back up, especially if it's becoming more commonplace, like where no one is talking about it anymore. Not not that it's more commonplace, just not shocking. Right, just not shocking. Yeah. Just kids are like, oh, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah you got to bring it all back. All right, yep. so we will have links to this article, which has links to the studies. <laughs> and has links to the Common Sense Media thing, which yes, is that's really, truly great. excellent. Maybe we'll pull that link out, too. Oh, yeah, separate. De- we'll just pull that, that link separate. out. And we will be right back with our Bites of the Week. We are back with our Bites of the Week. Amy, I feel like we should have had two each. <laughs> <laughs> Who knew? Well, I'm still sore from my one, so that's the only one that I want. Um, <laughs> earlier this week, I went to a mini boot camp with um, Harley Pasternak. You know, he's like a celebrity personal trainer. He's trained a bunch of famous people, and he used to host a TV show, and he's an author, and he's incredibly fit and very scary. And the reason that I went to this was not because I wanted Harley Pasternak to make me make me exercise. Um, it was so that I could try out the very newest Fitbit smartwatch. And it is uh, not quite out yet. It's available for pre-order on their site. Um, and that watch was great. It's called the Versa, but that's not my bite. My bite, uh, they, <laughs> Something else. they also that same day announced a new Fitbit for kids. It's oh. called the Fitbit Ace, and it's pretty amazing. It sells for $99. It's available in a very pretty blue and a very pretty purple. Ooh, and Andrea would like yes, that. Yes, she would. And um, 
the great thing about it is they, they've got this whole new family uh, account so that you can set up your kid's account in your Fitbit account, and then the kid can have their own account. And what you see on, on the kid account is totally different than what you see on the adult account. Like, the kid yeah. can see their activity and their steps, and, um, you know, they can earn badges and get motivation for moving, and you can set up schedules for, like, reminding them to get up and move around and all that kind of stuff. Um in the parent dashboard, you can see how many calories they've burned. You can track their sleep. Um, it's it's just really great information to to see just a little window into your kid's health and wow. their habits. And um, it's got almost a five-day battery life, so you don't have to worry about charging it all the time. If they have an Android or iPhone, they can get notifications from their phones. Um, it doesn't look like a toy. That's the thing. Like a lot of oh, those, cool. yeah, a lot of those fitness trackers, they look like they're for kids. Right. This looks like a Fitbit. So the kids are not going to be like, ew, I don't want to wear that plasticky thing. No, it looks good. It looks like a Fitbit. It's very sleek. And um, I think it's a great option if you want to challenge your kid to move more, maybe give them some goals see how they're sleeping. Right. I would love to see how my kids are sleeping. So interesting. I can't sleep with anything. Um, oh, I can't, I can't sleep with jewelry. Oh, I can I sleep can. with I love it because I love I love getting the alarm just vibrating on my uh-huh. wrist instead of having to use a, an audible alarm. I love that. That's how you wake up. It like to be honest, most of the time I wake up before my alarm, but on those <laughs> blissful times when I sleep right up to my alarm, yeah. It's so interesting. I can't have earrings. I can't have my wedding oh. ring on. I can't have any oh jewelry. My God. I could fall asleep on this desk with a pile of blankets <laughs> in a ball on top of me with my head lying on a rock. Seriously. The only thing that will keep me awake is like somebody yeah. playing basketball outside. <laughs> So, yeah, anyway, the Fitbit Ace, it's uh, available for pre-order now. It will be in stores, I think, in April. Don't quote me on that, but I think in April. And, um, yeah, I think that's a great way to get your, your kid motivated to move around. Give them some some prizes for hitting a certain amount of steps every day or something like that. I wonder if they can cheat and just shake their wrist like you used to be able to do with the Wii. I used to get really, really high uh, step counts on my first Fitbit for playing guitar and rock band but now <laughs> now it's actually judged now Maybe it's that was a workout <laughs> but it, well it, i would sweat but um but now you know like they've that was like eight or nine years ago they've gotten a lot more advanced and now it's i can't speak about this one i haven't used this one but now in general those trackers actually do count your movement and not just you know right. your wrist going up and down you can't you don't game get it you don't get washing dishes credit right <laughs> Um, all right. So I actually have two and I can't find the exact link to the first one, but I will I will get it to you, Amy, because it was a real simple article, which was the best Ina Garten weeknight dinners. <gasps> I love her. I love her. I love her so much. It was actually this amazing article this week um, that was just it was just fun about Jennifer Garner's new video series where she cooks. And it's really, it's very Ina Garten-esque. And people asked Ina Garten what she thought. And she's like, I love it. She's charming. <laughs> she's fabulous. And they're like, they've become like really good friends. Because I guess uh. at some point Jennifer Garner said how much she loved her. And she like invited her to her birthday. It was like a whole thing. Um, but I love Ina Garten. There are a lot of people who think recipes are too simple and too easy. I think they are always perfect. Like they are easy, but they're deceptively 
easy Mm because they're simple in what she asks you to do but the flavors are always Mm -hmm. a thousand percent correct like I don't know what it is but it's like the best roast chicken you will ever make the best freaking baked bacon in your oven for some reason what she tells you to do you're like oh that made it better (laughs) um so they rounded up her favorite weeknight dinners you know her tagline is always how easy is that and it's like when I've been in such a rut of sort of the same kinds of things and it's just you read through it you're like oh yeah I could do all of that and you probably have everything already in your pantry in your fridge and um and I went through a period of doing a lot of Odalenghi recipes mm. from Jerusalem cookbook and a lot of Melissa Clark and they require so much prep mm-hmm. chopping like all Middle Eastern recipes really do and a lot of Indian food and I was cooking a lot of those flavors and I was like oh my god I need somebody who just needs me to chop like one <laughs> onion <laughs> how was I in a garden um, so I highly recommend this article it was awesome um, and my other article that I read it's actually a whole story so there's a bunch of different places but the BBC had really good coverage was that National Geographic went back yes to their entire history and just was like we have been so racist that was almost my bite (laughs) it is fascinating not that most of us don't already know that like if you picture the national geographic covers you know well and the famous ones but they really dug down and were like wow this is a giant racist history of photography of seeing the world, of, and they're reckoning with it. And it once you see it, really see it, yeah. you're like laid out this way too. You're like, whoa. Because it's one thing for everybody to know it. It's a totally different thing for the people who did it to say, wow, yeah. we did it and we're sorry. And yeah, I was, it was. And how they're going to move forward yeah. and how they're going to reckon with it, it is unbelievable and I think um oh I actually have a third I have a third bite um (laughs) okay we average out to two (laughs) because it ties into the New York Times last week launched I don't know if you saw this they went back through their archives and realized in their 167 years of doing obituaries like 10 percent of them were women wow and so now they're going back and doing all the obituaries they should (sighs) have done and they started this weekend and you cannot believe who they didn't do. Charlotte Bronte, <laughs> Ida B. Wells. Wow. Like you, you, you will start reading them and be like, "How did they not have a New York Times obituary?" So now they're going back and doing all of them. That's amazing. And it made me feel like how this National Geographic piece—it was the same thing. It's that constant awareness of who gets to tell their stories and who gets to decide who else's stories get told. And how many hundreds and thousands thousands of years of stories that have to now be told. Now you've got the end of Hamilton running through my head. Well, I think about it all the time with that line in Hamilton, who tells your story, because um, because the women of Hamilton are actually sadly a horrible gaping hole. Mm -hmm. And um, no one can really tell their story because they never documented their own stories so anyway I think about that all the time who tells your story and Mm -hmm. um, it started maybe a little bit with hidden figures and Wonder Woman and now there's there's just (laughs) I mean there's so much history to make up for and storytelling so anyway it's amazing that they're trying and the obituaries are actually an extraordinary place to start because New York Times obituaries are mini biographies Um, so I highly recommend you can find the whole series online, but they also had a whole supplement to the physical paper this weekend too, wow. but they're going to keep doing it. They're not, it's not like a one-time thing. They're going to 
go back like got 167 start... years to oh my god catch up with yeah so anyway those are my three bites woohoo um and that's it so thanks amy just thanks patrick back there in the booth <laughs> and, uh, you can find us on facebook.com slash parenting bites and parenting bites.com and radio.com and we will be back next week until then happy parenting hopefully we'll see andrea again <laughs> bye, bye.